0: This is Unlearned, a self-rising production. I'm Jamie. And I'm C.A. And we are your hosts. This is a podcast all about deconstructing
1: who we are and exploring who we are becoming.
0: Hello. Hi. We're back. Hello. Who's into seltzers?
1: (laughs) Seltzers, man. Are you into seltzers? I've been drinking. I've been drinking seltzies (laughs) since. 2013 baby since back when they were expensive oh my god okay wait so I have a story about seltzers because my neighbor
0: used to drink seltzers and I literally thought something was wrong with her because I thought like the soda was like wrong and I would be like every once in a while I'd try to like sneak her drink because we'd go over to her and I'd be like something's wrong with your drink like I genuinely was so confused
1: someone took all the good stuff out of your soda
0: like there's actually a problem like you got to check into where you're buying this or production problem um okay so and then the beloved like you go get the fast food like drink and then it's all tonic water that's the best
1: everyone raise your hand if you've had that that's the one when it's just it has run out of it's like flavoring in it and you're just like here's carbonated water and
0: you're like thank you for the 250 charge for carbonated water that's great and you take a big sip and you're like (laughs) this is disgusting anyways um why am i talking about seltzers it's on my new kick i'm being sober curious lately everyone if you want to learn about it just dm me because i've been really being mindful and i told
1: you When I come to visit you, I am going to bring you a couple of cases of the greatest seltzer that exists. If you are a listener that lives anywhere near a store that's in the Kroger family. (laughs) So there's a couple of them. There's Kroger and Harris Teeter and something, something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Whatever. They're like... What is the it's, a, it's like Simple Truth, I think is like their brand of like fancy things okay. in this. It's like their fancy store brand. They make a seltzer called Blackberry Hibiscus. Peak. We're talking peak seltzer status. Is? And I'm gonna bring you some. I need it from the Krogues.
0: That's what I call it. You know that. It's right? gonna be
1: Krogs. The it's Krogs. gonna be I need pure it from
0: the Krogues. Um so curious, <laughs> by the way, it's like for the little snippet, is not like your Completely giving up drinking. It's genuinely just being incredibly mindful of how you're experiencing that engagement with like the you know beverage basically um you're Mm -hmm. being very mindful of how you use it and so it's very it's been very helpful for me to like be mindful of the way i engage in something um but it's useful for anything by the way this is very good skill set for basically anything you're doing especially like my doom scrolling like me being mindful of why i'm picking up the phone
1: (laughs) talk about my so If you're listening, um, sound off in the comments about what the best seltzer is. I have already given my vote, so if you all have a favorite, we would love to know.
0: (laughs) Um, I'm really into – what am I into right now? Let me see. Polar. Polar blueberry lemonade. I had to go look. Blueberry lemonade is like
1: mm-hmm. riff. Oh, also. That's how I know you're going to love blackberry Yeah, I probably I will. Um,
0: one of the other mm-hmm. things that people don't realize is that your taste buds change. I've literally started drinking it and True. I'm like, wait, this tastes sweet. And I'm like, wait, there's no sugar in this. And there's not even like the fake sugar. Mm-hmm. It literally oh, has no sugar. And I was like, why
1: does this kind of taste sweet? And I'm like,
0: oh, my taste buds are changing.
1: <laughs> people talk about when they go to Europe and like – Everything tastes not sweet, and then their palates adjust, and then when they come back, I remember somebody was a European immigrant that I was talking to, and they said the thing that they couldn't, like, understand it when they first moved to America is they were like, why is your sandwich bread so sweet? It tastes like cake. They were like, your regular just sandwich bread is so sugary, I can't even eat it.
0: Funny. I love that, but no, you're right. They put sugar in everything. Anyways, we're not gonna yep. go on the sugar, the sugar, <laughs> <laughs> yes. the sugar ranch right now. Okay, so what are we doing? Focus. What are we doing today?
1: Okay. We are starting off with a question. Is it selfish to heal? Mm. The reason we're starting with this question is because that happens to be a fairly common criticism in the circle of self-growth advocacy type work that you and I both do is we get comments like this in a lot of our videos and just in interactions with people talking about this sort of stuff. It's a very common pushback of, well, must be nice for you to heal, but not everybody gets that luxury, right? Or even even if they're not taking that route, there's another sort of angle that says like, that just in general, that it's like selfish. Like, oh, you're just going to spend all of your time thinking about you and your health and your well being. What about how, how aren't you going to spend time seeing your cousins or playing with your children or blah, blah, blah? Like, how are you ever going to be in relationships with other people if you spend all of your time just in your own head healing all the time? Okay. So, here's the thing. (laughs) I think a huge kind of general source for this criticism and this pushback comes from the experience of how we interact with change itself. In general, how do we interact with change that happens? And the way that my brain likes to conceptualize this is I'm very into nature So a lot of times I use nature analogies, and the one I'm going to use for this is going to be metamorphosis. So if the world has gotten very used to you as a caterpillar, right, you've interacted with your family as a caterpillar, you got married as a caterpillar, you got a job as a caterpillar, and like everyone is just like, oh, she's a caterpillar. That's what she is. Then naturally, if you become aware of the fact that you're a caterpillar and caterpillars have the ability to metamorphosize into something else, you become aware of that. And you go, wow, that's fascinating. I would like to explore that. I would like to see what I would be like as a butterfly or a moth. Like, Mm -hmm. I would really like to see what I would look like and what that would feel like for me. And so you start on that metamorphosis journey with yourself then all of a sudden now you are changing and the world around you is still expecting you to be caterpillar you and they're like whoa what's happening what is happening and now all of a sudden it's very like jarring for people to try to conceptualize what's going on here and if you think about the stages of metamorphosis there's the growth stage of the caterpillar itself. Like the caterpillar has to grow and get like bigger. And so, you know, they're, they're taking in a lot, right? And so this is kind of like your education and awareness stage of your self-growth, healing, you're learning, you're taking in, you're amassing all of this stuff and you're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. And then the next stage is going to be... What might be the most jarring for most people (laughs) is the cocoon stage, the chrysalis stage, whether you're butterfly or moth. I don't care. I'm partial to moths myself, but whatever. So you are now going to go into your cocoon. And this is the stage of healing where people go, see, see how selfish they are. They're just so self-absorbed and they're just so, they shut out the whole entire world and all of their doing is just being stuck inside of themselves. And is that even wrong? Maybe not, but is that stage of metamorphosis absolutely essential? Yes, because you can't get to the next stage without taking that cocoon moment for yourself where you do, you now have amassed everything that you need to shift and then you go inward and you do the really intense work of, if you know anything about what actually happens (laughs) inside of that little chrysalis or cocoon your all of your stuff just like melts into goo and then you slowly over time like reorganize yourself into this new creation and it's very interesting because it's like it's all still the same stuff that you just took in but it's reorganized and reshaped mm-hmm. into something completely new and then you emerge And I actually think the emergence stage where you are now transformed and you're now a moth and you look totally different and now you can fly and all of these things, I actually don't think that's as jarring. If somebody was with you every step of the way, that's actually almost like a relieving stage for a lot of people. They're like, oh, okay, good. Like they did come back out. Like they do still exist. They are going to interact with me. They do look different now, but I can still see some semblances of, yeah, I can tell that this is them. Like it still looks like them. Like they have wings now. That's pretty rad. But like here they are. Now they're talking to me again, blah, blah, blah. It's that cocoon phase that people are like so freaked out by and seem to really want to push back against mm. because it's so not okay to go inward, right? Like you, you're supposed to be interacting with us 24-7. But what I really want to emphasize there is that when you get into your emergence stage and now you're a moth, this is what you were after, right? When you started the journey, you were like, oh, I wonder what that would be like. And when you're a moth, now you're out there in the world and you are reinteracting with the world. And now you're actually impacting the world in a way that's so different than you ever would have been able to as a caterpillar. Now you're a pollinator. How incredible is that? Now you get to go from flower to flower and like pollinate the earth and nourish the earth in a really impactful way that you could never have done as a caterpillar. There's nothing wrong with being a caterpillar. It's amazing to be a caterpillar. And you actually need, we the world needs caterpillars because without caterpillars, you don't get moths, right. okay? So n- at no sta- part of this stage is there any shame and there's nothing wrong with any of the stages and they're all beautiful and necessary for what they are. So I just wanted to start with kind of this layout and this framework of understanding where we're coming from and why we get this pushback of, is it selfish to heal? And where healing personally, and this is where I want you to jump in, where's the intersection between your personal healing and then your impact on the community and the world around you?
0: Yeah. I mean, if you look at... The fear I think a lot of people have is even if they are supportive of your self-love cocoon moment, right? I think a lot of people get scared that it's going to go all or nothing, like the theme we have in this podcast a lot, is that it's going to turn into kind of like what you said. It's going to turn into this... We're never going to see her ever again and we're never going to relate to her ever again and or him or they whatever like any of these variances of cells like if you're like realizing that your journey is going to have to have a moment of like honestly inventory like doing an inventory of your life looking at what is necessary to stay what is necessary to kind of release there's this fear from the community they they're like well, what if it's all or nothing? What if like even if I say, yeah, go ahead and heal do all of your work, I'm scared I'm never going to relate to her again or for this example, I'm just going to say her. I'm I'm scared of the change, like CA was saying right there. It's it's that change that people are scared of because what it says is this is where we're we're changing in individually and collectively. And what that external source. So like that friend, if I was the friend that was like watching one of my closest friendships change. Okay. The fear isn't always, this is where I want to speak nuance with nuance. It's not always toxic. It's actually from a place of like genuine concern that that relationship might not be able to withstand a massive shift. And Mm -hmm. so when someone comes at you scared or I'm nervous about what this means for our relationship. If your tendency is like, you just don't want me to heal, right? It's like, well, that can immediately get that dynamic of like the intersection between healing yourself and then going out into the collective. That can immediately be a dissonant experience for both parties. Like you might be like, I didn't want you to not heal. I just, I'm scared, right? So... I do want to hold space for that because there's a couple of different narratives that can come at you with this. And some people can be coming at you with like genuine, I don't want to manipulate you into staying a caterpillar. I don't want to keep you, you know, you know, tethered to your old self. I I genuinely am scared to explore this new place with you because I don't know if I fit into the new environment that you are now surrounding yourself with, right? And so that can be very, very like grief-filled. It can be very, very tumultuous for relationships, not even in a toxic way. It can just be a disruption. And the most healing you're going to get is if both parties are radically honest with themselves, like radically, just like going to the friend and being like, I'm not in the same place as you. And I'm happy that you're doing a really good job and you're feeling like very, very elevated. I think of like, friendships, but I also think about partnerships. It can be a, you're healing, so I must be, there must be more wrong with me because you're healing, right? Or or, I must be this problem because I'm not healing as fast as you. And it's like, when it becomes this dynamic of, I look at you as the enemy because you're healing, then that's the toxic narrative that can come out of people's mouths you're being selfish. Like you're not thinking of us. You're not thinking of the family. You're not thinking of our partnership. You're not thinking of our kids or our friendship. Like you're not thinking about me. Right. And to some degree, it's like a blended experience of I, I'm i not only thinking about myself, but I am thinking about the other people. It's just that I'm thinking about them in a new way. And that makes you uncomfortable. Mm. That makes you uncomfortable because I'm thinking about our relationship in a new way, which is intimidating. And it can feel adversarial. It can. It can feel like, wait, so are am are you, a, is this like a problem that like I still do this because you apparently found some higher meaning and I don't do the same thing you do anymore? It's very indicative to like, is the relationship itself, comprised of two individuals that are willing to rise to the occasion of what that healing is asking you to do, which is super hard, right? That's why this is so incredibly hard because when you see one person healing and the other person, whether that's a mom or a partner or a friend, like when you see one person really healing and really, really strongly being convicted in that healing, and then you realize that's impl- there's implications of your of your relationship like what happens is you not only feel like there's something kind of wrong with you right oh, oh there's something wrong with me i guess right um which in and of itself is is like a whole narrative but it's very telling where that individual is on their own personal journey because if they can absolutely just like listen And honor and acknowledge, okay, there is a difference. I'm not going to hold you to an old standard. I'm not going to hold you to this like conceptualization of self that I knew you 10 years ago to be. Like I'm going to allow you to spread your wings and I get it. There is differences. Okay, so that's a very like, it's painful. There's a lot of grief. But it's very like honoring the reality of the situation. Okay. And this is what we're all about. The authenticity of a relationship, the authenticity of a reality, the authentic reality of that relationship is it is changing. And whether both parties want to acknowledge that is their own personal responsibility. At the same time, we can have the healthy dynamic like, yes, I see that we're changing and we just have to go with the grief, go with the grief, flow with the grief of it all. Like go with it, understand it. Okay. Or it can be a complete antithesis of what I just said. Basically like, Mm -hmm. I see that you're healing. You're now the problem. I think you're selfish. I can't believe that you would do this to us. You're the enemy. Right. And so immediately it's adversarial. It's, you versus me, it's choose one or the other, right? It's not let's process the pain of this all, it's get out of here or leave me alone, right? Kind of like one or the other, right? And if you notice the first example I gave you, there was also pain, remember? It's also painful to hold space for grieving changes of relationships, okay? And one of them was very open to processing, very open to processing, acknowledging, I am not in the same place as you are, CA. I see that you're in a different place than I am. I can actually understand why this is really impacting our relationship. I can see that it might be intimidating for you to talk to me about certain things that you used to talk to me about. Absolutely. And if we keep talking about this, CA, we can grow together. We can deal with this grief together. Or it's this... I mean, there can be blends of like the stages of this. But if I'm giving you the extreme example, the extreme example is, oh, no, you're healing. You made your choice.
1: Yeah, it's like you said, both parties have to be very radically honest and willing to look at the situation from a very compassionate point of view, compassion towards themselves in the perspective that they hold and compassion towards the other and what that experience is like for them. And this is a very nuanced thing and can be very challenging to do in a way that doesn't betray yourself and the journey that you're on, and it doesn't impose on the other person or the journey that they are on. So if we go back to the caterpillar example, the caterpillar acknowledges that moths exist but it's like not ready to do its own metamorphosis yet. And so then when it sees you choosing that path, well, I'm going to do it. I'm curious. I I, I think I'm going to do, you know, that thing that caterpillars are supposed to be able to do. I think I'm going to give it a go. This one is sitting here going, oh no, what's going to happen when they turn into a moth? They're not going to want to hang out with me anymore because I'm a caterpillar and they're going to be able to do things that I can't do. So, What's going to happen to us? Are we going to just completely fall out? And that's where the conversation has to happen. Ask these questions and talk about these things to one another. Don't go inside your head and just catastrophize and create a narrative without allowing the other person to share their voice into that narrative. Because if you decide to be brave and go ahead and ask those questions and say, hey, this is my concern. My concern is that when you become a moth, You're literally going to fly away and never hang out with me again because I don't fly. What am I going to do if you do that? And then this person now has the opportunity to say, well, even though I can fly, that doesn't mean that I always have to fly. And I do value you and really love you. And I'm super willing to spend plenty of time grounded. Like, I don't always have to be flying just because I can. Like, we can still meet in the garden and, like, hang out together on the ground and, like, still do a lot of the things we used to do. Like, just because I can fly doesn't mean that I'm going to always be flying away from you. And then now that caterpillar can be like, oh, okay, That's helpful. Like, thank you for clearing that up because that was their big fear. And now instead of creating this whole narrative about what the other person's going to do, now they have a new understanding of, okay, so this metamorphosis is still going to happen. And it is going to impact and change some things about our relationship. But maybe it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And then in the reverse, what I want to speak to is if you're the moth person (laughs) – what i would caution the against moth is, man if you're a moth man oh i have a story a about that or... but i don't want to go on a I t- i actually have a moth man story but i don't want to go on a t- oh my god i
0: need it is that on Hinge? i swear to god we need to do our scary story in Hinge. yes okay,
1: scary story okay so but if you are a moth right if you're the metamorphosis person in this dynamic you might also have fear of saying wait a minute once i learn how to fly what's that going to mean for my relationship with this person who doesn't have their wings yet? Um, And it's okay if you don't have all of the answers, right? That's okay too. And so, but you can come to your person and say the same thing and say, hey, I'm really scared that when I learn how to fly, that you're not going to want to hang out with me anymore, that you're going to be like freaked out by my wings. And you're going to be like, jealous that I can fly and uncomfortable around me. And you're not going to want to hang out with me anymore. Right. And then the caterpillar could be like, Oh no, that's okay. Like I, it's okay. If you have wings, like you don't have to be ashamed of that. Like, that's really cool that you're going to have wings. Like I'll totally still hang out with you. Okay. But what neither of these people, whether you're caterpillar or moth, what, what they're not doing, which is good, right? We're going <laughs> to, this is good. They're not forcing the other person to, into one or the other, right? Because that's where we get into that toxic. If the caterpillar starts threatening and saying, if you turn into a moth, I literally can't hang out with you anymore. And if the moth is saying, if you don't metamorphosize with me, I literally cannot hang out with you anymore. That's okay. That's where, I don't know. Here's, there's nuance here because there is for, there is space to be held for you Wanting to have a certain environment around you. If you genuinely are a person that like once you become a moth, you literally can only hang out with other moths and butterflies and that's what you genuinely feel and believe and seek, there is a way to healthily detach from old narratives that doesn't have to be toxic. So I, I don't want to say like, it's never okay to let go of an old friendship. <laughs> like, I don't want to say that. That's, again, of course, there's always gray. There's always nuance. It's about how we are approaching this and giving ourselves throughout this whole process, time and patience and communication while these shifts happen.
0: Right. I think, like, we spoke, you spoke a little bit about why it could look selfish to heal, but I actually think if we reworded that and saying the honor of healing comes with immense responsibility that we don't talk about a lot, which is, of course, you could find yourself a moth or a butterfly and genuinely being like, I've gone back to the caterpillars, and every time I'm back there, I really struggle. I can't be in the group. I can't be in the group setting. Maybe I can hang out with, like, you know, Harry over... Harry. <laughs> Harry caterpillar.
1: <laughs> I can hang out with Harry over there. Um, But that's... A you thing- know I'm picturing one of those wooly yes, ones. A- <laughs> the ones that are like... Yeah. Um,
0: So I can hang out with Harry. But no, I think... <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting off track. So think about, like, If you are really going back to the caterpillar group and you're like, I can't, I can't hang. It's way too much. There's too much differential now. It's actually really painful for me, but you genuinely love Harry. It is a responsibility to have that hard conversation. And the reason why I'm saying there's a responsibility of healing is because if I genuinely come to the conclusion, all right, it's time. I just got to hang out with Moss. It's fine. I'm gonna, you know, try to keep Harry up to date or whatever. It's that there's danger in not understanding that your change and your healing has implications and not always in the way you think it is, okay? You might think, yeah, healing implications, like, oh, all of these amazing, fluffy, beautiful things. I'm like, sure, that's coexisting with the pain of other people not being present in your life. Okay. So for example, if I'm hairy and CA heals and I literally, like she genuinely falls off the face of the planet. I literally cannot find her. I'm a dinky little caterpillar. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Right. And maybe I do a few outreaches and I don't hear back from her. And I've come to find out she's like telling everyone on the, you know, the South Fields. (laughs) <laughs> the South sunny Field saying like, oh, I'm, I'm done. I'm healed. Like I'm, I'm not going back to that environment. Right. If I had a genuine connection with her and she was a very deep, like a, a real raw friendship that I had and she like abandoned me because she went through a change. It's not my, it's not, and this is why we're walking through the nuance with you. Okay. It's not, That I'm demanding her to stay in a friendship she doesn't want to stay in. But we cannot pretend that just because we're healing, it isn't changing the relationships that we previously engaged in. And so what that might look like isn't, I'm going to talk to Harry and I'm just going to tell him what he wants to hear. And I'm going to say everything's fine and then just kind of like... Ghost him. Ghost him. Exactly. What's the caterpillar version of ghosting? I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm going to, what is that like exoskeleton thing? That...
1: <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> it's fine. Exoskeleton him.
0: <laughs> I don't even know what I'm what even talking about. Okay. So I'm going to ghost him. But the, um, what I'm getting at is like, It is a responsibility for us to, and I don't mean everyone. Please hear me when I say this. I do not mean the neighbor down the street and the random third, you know, association, you know, five degrees of bacon here, okay? Or whatever it is. (laughs) Five degrees of bacon. Does anyone know what I'm talking about anymore? Oh, my God. I do. (laughs) Absolutely. Gen Zs are like, Bacon? ew like i don't know who's okay. that i'm just kidding who's bacon okay <laughs> just kidding we love you Gen Z. um but the i hope you guys know one of these days what's five degrees
1: of is it five degrees or six degrees of Kevin of bacon i think it's six degrees oh kind of i even did it right on. it has a ring it has about a better ring to six degrees let us know guys let us know okay um yeah. so what was i even saying oh my god i actually lost it <laughs> You were saying you don't have to go back. You don't have a responsibility to literally yes. every single exactly. Person you don't have to go to every patch. circle, every layer of friendship.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. but what you do have to actually do an inventory of is you have to walk through your brain and say, "Who are the relationships that I had very constant or had you know very prevalent in my life before I went through the change, and am I doing it?" justice or 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 am I doing a disservice to that relationship to not at least acknowledge that a change occurred. Okay? So I'm do, do you right. notice what I'm saying? I'm not saying go back and like get sucked back into the ring. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying like go back and like just lie to them. I'm saying just honor in some way that you impacted them. Because okay, let let me give you a real life example. Me and CA both went through, like, this massive religious shift, and I'm not going to speak for her, but, like, we went through this massive religious shift in our relationship, and to some degree, it was was absolutely part of my healing, and there was this one day that I'll never forget this because this was, like, such a hard moment in our friendship, but, like, I knew that I was, like, shifting enough that I was, like, actually feeling, like, it was, like, painful for me to pretend that I was in the same version of my body that I was previously in. And so we had this, like, really, really, like, emotional conversation on the phone. And it was, like, me genuinely telling her, like, it's, like, the change is happening. Like, I'm actually shifting the way I envision my truth and what my fundamental values are. And... I'm struggling and I'm also like not sure how to talk to my best friend about this because their conceptualization of themselves is completely different than my conceptualization right now. Okay. So when I tell you this was a very hard moment for our friendship, it was, it was incredibly hard because Mm -hmm. it looked very like from the outside, it looked like two people who are very, very close going in complete diverging paths, which was very hard for us to like hold space for it. Like I was absolutely diverging from the path that we had previously been on together. And so why I'm speaking to this so seriously is that if I genuinely did, I could, I have a couple options, right? I could fake it. I could just pretend when she talked to me about all of her religious stuff, I'd be like, absolutely amazing. Go girl. Like God is good. Like, right. I could be the hype woman. I could be the fake variation of this. Okay. That's one option. I could Basically withdraw, which would be like less presence, less engagement, less like like kind of that – Like what do they call that in the dating scene? It's like the slow burn. It's like the slow ghost or whatever. Like mm-hmm. you're not really getting ghosted, but you are, right? So I'm – Going half in when I'm talking to her or when her daughter celebrates something with the church, I mysteriously don't give her a present. And then she maybe is questioning what's going on, right? So this is what I mean by like responsible healing is actually having a real dialogue and saying, listen, listen, I know the conceptualization that you're sitting with right now of who I am is all I gave you. I never gave you an indicator yet that like I actually changed. So your conceptualization of who I am is valid right now because there is no differential. What I'm doing right now is I'm trying to clarify that conceptualization of who I am in your brain. I'm trying to clarify where I currently am. And when I tell you guys, like I told you, me and CA have told you, we do this work. So right now I am dealing with a lot of these similar patterns of like, where do I clarify who I am to my inner circle and how much do I clarify and what is honoring me? And honestly, what is putting me in a level of vulnerability where I feel like I have to have a trauma response or I have to feel like I have to protect myself, right? Okay. Okay. So when I tell you this is incredibly hard work to have the responsibility of healing, it is. Because you are now walking yourself through. Remember, you're not going with every little, you know, fifth, sixth degree person. We are looking at our close dynamics and having a real conversation. Remember, it starts internally with ourselves. We're saying, Am I doing a variation of one of those things? Am I doing a slow ghost? Am I doing a fake it till I make it person? Yeah, I'm totally fine. Everything's fluffy. I'm exactly the same person. Is that a disservice to myself? Is that wounding me? Is there a part of me that says, what the hell are you doing?
1: See, I'm really glad that you're using this as an example, this kind of like experience that you and I went through Many, many years ago, right, at this point. Um, but I, I want to highlight it again because of the fact that, not to toot our own horns here, but I think the reason our friendship survived and is even stronger probably now than ever is because we did exactly what we're talking about on this podcast right now, right? In that scenario, Jamie was the moth person. She was starting her metamorphosis journey and maybe even pretty well into it, you know, at at a certain point. And I was still the caterpillar. And we were always caterpillars together, right? And that was our dynamic. That was our relationship. And all of a sudden, you know, she comes to me and says, hey, I'm not going to do the caterpillar thing anymore. Like, it's just not suiting me anymore. And I really need to explore this metamorphosis situation. And we actually did that hard work of asking those hard questions, being vulnerable about our fears, saying, I'm worried that if you do this, this might happen. How is this going to impact this part of our dynamic? And we were so brave with those conversations because of the fact that this is that responsibility thing, like we valued that relationship enough to go to that kind of scary place. And to explore those kind of scary questions and say, okay, I don't know what the answer is going to be here, but I got to ask the question, blah, 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 blah. Right? And, and being willing to hear that answer, whatever that's going to be. And because we kept that dialogue open over the many Months and whatever. I don't know the exact timeline. I think we tried to like create a timeline one time and it was like very difficult, but ugh, memory is difficult. So, but the point is because we were able to hold on to that vulnerability with each other and that courage of facing the tough questions with each other, each step of the way, we were able to not lose sight of what really mattered. And we were able to like zoom out and zoom in so many times into and out of our friendship, like to see the bigger picture and like get into the nitty gritty details and then zoom to the bigger picture again. Like we did that hard work to a degree that, (laughs) spoiler alert, when I decided to approach metamorphosis, which was really in its own interesting kind of in Like the influencing factors that kind of catapulted my metamorphosis were different than Jamie's. But either way, like we both found our way toward that same sort of transformative experience and we were able to support each other through all of those processes. And even now, even though, you know, we've both transformed, we've both come out of the in this area, right? When we use these analogies, no analogy is perfect, guys. No person is just like, what? their whole entire life metamorphosizes overnight. We're talking about in this particular thread of context like our ideologies and religiosity and all of that. She had gone through, I came through. Now we're both fluttering around, flying together, but we're able to look back at that process and say every step of that w- metamorphosis, like when we were caterpillars, when we were growing caterpillars, when we were in cocoons and it was always like slightly staggered, right? Like various things were happening at various times. We were still checking in with each other. And I think that's why our friendship was able to survive that because we had that, we had an understanding of that responsibility to one another. And we were willing to be radically honest and radically brave in those conversations. So if you are in this, if you see yourself in this story, whether you're the moth, the caterpillar, or anything in between, what it comes down to is, all you have control over is yourself, right? You can't necessarily control the other person and the other dynamic if they're going to be willing to be brave and honest and have those conversations with you, but you can try and you can do your part on your end of the responsibility to do those check-ins. And if it gets to a point where they are not able to reciprocate that level of honesty and comfortability with you, that's its own situation, But what you can control, and you can cross that bridge when you get there, but what you can control is from your perspective, okay, I am shifting. I am growing, and it's impacting the way that I interact with these people that are really important to me, and it's time to be honest.
0: Right. Oh my gosh, you you hit on such a good point that I think – This is going to be a hard one, but you got to stay on this train, everyone, okay? You have to stay on the listener train, okay? (laughs) One of the things that I think happens in healing is that we get a radical sobering of the type of relationships that we have. Okay, what CA just said, and this is why I think it's such a pivotal point to highlight, is that she said when we were both going through that process of trying to understand how to maintain a relationship – that there was an incredible value on that relationship. Okay. And so what I hear, especially when I'm working with clients and like people who are doing this work, I almost hear like this immediate because of the healing process, they have reevaluated past friendships, past workplaces, past dynamics, past partner, whatever. They're they're reevaluating even current situations. <laughs> And they're conceptualizing that relationship in a new way, okay? So this is why I'm saying stay on this train. If I have a really, 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 really close friend and then I do a bunch of healing and realize that that close friendship is riddled with codependency and it's incredibly toxic and that person's incredibly manipulative and it scares me because I've realized and woken up and have realized, oh my God, Right? That value that I had previously before I healed is no longer there. And so can I just hold space for a second when someone looks at me and says, I don't have enough value to go back and do that work that you just asked. I don't even feel the value of what I previously held to that person. And here's the thing. I want to I wanna just like give you... A moment of just grace here because a hundred percent validity right there. Like that can be incredibly valid because you're sitting there and you're like, I have completely woken up to the way that relationship walked like through my life. Okay. I'm looking at it and I'm seeing it in a new light. Okay. What I'm going to very tenderly remind you though, is that it's difficult when you have a friend who genuinely, let's say, did a lot of manipulative tactics and honestly is unhealed and honestly not emotionally mature and not emotionally like, like skilled. Okay. And their conceptualization is a deep friendship. They're literally still seeing you as like their ride or die. They're looking at you as like, Even though I'm unhealed and emotionally mature and I literally have no skills and I don't know how to deal with like my own identity issues, my vision of who my closest friend is you, right? And so this is where it's so, so difficult for me to even walk you guys through this. And this is why I said stay on the train. But it's almost like the urge to be like, I don't have enough value on that relationship to go back and do like that whole implication of healing thing, like, hey, I'm healed. Hey, this is what's going on. I don't have enough value in it. Okay. Let me just, let me just like sit here. Okay. I would say yes, you do not have to like justify. You don't have to relive every trauma. You don't have to like teach them. Please hear me. You don't have to teach them how they manipulated everything. Sure, it's nice to be like, hey, I'm coming to an understanding. But what I would say is clarity would be what I would say. Clarity is what we're aiming for. We're not aiming for resolution. We're not aiming for justification. We're genuinely aiming for clarity. So why that is so important is because when you go back and you realize I am being responsible, this is a future episode of what we're talking about, is like being responsible for the ways our previous selves engaged. So our unhealed selves engaged. Okay. And this is very hard and it's a tricky topic. Because a lot of those unhealed cells were basically assaulted, traumatized, violated, like, but also the implications of our trauma are there. There's implications to our actions, okay? So when I look back and I'm like, there's implications to my healing, I do need to have one moment of clarity and say, I just need to clarify something to you. I need you to understand the reason why I'm not able to continue here is because I'm not in the same version of myself as you knew me to be. And let me just clarify briefly who this version is. And I want to give you an opportunity to engage with that version of myself. And if you're ready, I'm ready. But if you want me to be a past version of who I am, I'm no longer that. Okay, that is what I'm getting to, okay? Because a lot of people hear this and they're like, well, I don't give a crap about them anymore. So why do I have to even have a conversation? And I'm like, we're not talking about the neighbor down the street. We're talking about your ride or die 20-year friendship that like genuinely sees you through a different lens. That's why it's so hard. And I don't even know if I'm going to get hate on this, but genuinely it's so, so difficult to actually internalize what
1: I just walked you guys through. I just, I, everything you just said is like, so good. Like if you're listening right now, maybe even just rewind it, listen to those last two minutes again, because it's so, so key to what we're talking about right now. The title of the episode, the theme of the episode is, Is It Selfish to Heal? And this right here is really, really, really getting to like, we're getting really close to understanding how to conceptualize the answer to that question, which is that your personal healing is both about you and it's going to impact others. It literally is both. So yes, there is an element of inward focus to your self-healing, self-growth journey. Of course there is. There has to be. That's why it's called like self-growth and self-healing. And because you don't live in a bubble, you as that individual who is now changing and changed – is going to interact with the people in your life in a new way now. And you can't change the other people around you. You can't force the other people around you to do a certain thing or say a certain thing. But you can be honest with them about who you are and the change that you went through. So that way they have full informed consent about how they interact with you. Okay, so that's what this is coming to That's why we provide clarity. So that way our relationships can be as authentic and honest as possible. So we show up as our most authentic self so that this other person has the freedom to interact with you and make choices about how they want to interact with you. Because if you are showing up as an old version of yourself, then they are going to just keep interacting with old you. And when you feel that dissonance inside of you, I hate to say it, but like, you kind of tied your own shoes on that one. Like that is because you're showing up like that. And so when that feels annoying to be treated like an old version of yourself, they're treating you that way because you're showing up like that. So if you want to be treated differently and interacted with in a new way, then you have to show them who you are. And then it's out of your hands. Then they get to decide if they can and if they choose to interact with you as this new version of you in a healthy way that's satisfactory to both of you. And if they can't, then a new conversation can happen from there. But really, we can't even have a conversation about like, can we still be friends or can we still blah, blah, blah. We can't even have that conversation until the honesty is there. Whew.
0: Let's breathe. This is a, <laughs> this is a, this is a deep one, and it really, it really speaks to a missing piece that I think a lot of us honestly don't hear enough about. I don't think I hear a lot about this. I kind of hear like, I, I mean, even in the healing community, I think you talked about this, CA. Like, there's, there's even that like all or nothing, like you healed, never look back. It's like whoa, like. That, no, 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 like that right there is like, I feel like it's setting you up for a narrative that kind of relives the traumatization you experienced, right? Like, you have to hold space for this processing. And I think that's where I see the immense value in those clarity conversations is that it gives you an opportunity, like we said, too open for processing. And that's when they tell on themselves. And sometimes in a good way, right? You might be like, oh God, they're going to judge me. Here we go. I'm going to tell them. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to just, I'm just going to talk about the elephant in the room. Here we go. I'm saying it. Okay. So you say it. And at that point, let them tell you where they're at. Let them tell you where they're at. And if they can do that, whether it's going north and south, whatever, wherever it's going, that is your clarity. Remember, that's your clarity because you could do the same thing they're doing to you. You can say, nope, they're exactly who I thought they're gonna be and I'm gonna tell them what my truth is and they're gonna respond because they're gonna be toxic, right, because that's the version you have of them in your head, okay? And if you sit there and say that to them without clarity, you're keeping them hostage. Let's leave it at that because we're going to go way too long on this. (laughs) All right. We appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in. If anything we said resonated, please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. This absolutely helps us grow and we really do value your voice on this podcast. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, any tips, any topics, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at unlearned at recollectedself.com. You can find us on Instagram at The Unlearned Podcast or individual Instagrams at Recollect Itself and CAs is at Embracing Divergence. You can also find us over on TikTok under those handles. If you want to join our Patreon for $5 a month, you can be our Coffee Fiend Club member. And that's going to give you access to our podcast within a podcast, which is called Unhinged. This is basically where we let loose completely unedited we are literally just shooting the breeze having fun you can see our full personalities and it is a blast honestly it's pretty fun so if you want to join us you can find that at patreon.com slash unlearned and that's it the last thing i want to tell you is i want you to be brave enough to fight for the person you want to become and this is how we do the work